This is Peter uh, from Saxo. We're back with another episode of the Saxo Market Call. And today we're going to talk about commodities with you, Ole Hansen. You are our head of commodity strategy and expert. And um, I think that um, this year has already started with a lot of uh, lot of action. And we're going to start with the market where we are seeing the most action. And that is in crude oil because of the, I don't know how to put it, uh, Ole, but you know the events... Um, and tensions in the Middle East, they just continue to surprise, I think, everyone. And lately with the attack on, on additional shipping companies in the Red Sea and, you know, yesterday we had a, a, a bomb going off in, in Kerman, in, in Iran. Um, the oil, oil market have really been, uh, been rallying a little bit here. So um, so what's your what's your take on, on the current price in, 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 in oil and, and where do we go from here? Well, hello, Peter, and uh, yes, uh, and hello, everyone. Uh, Happy New Year. Um, Yes, it's been a bit of a bumpy start to the year in crude oil, and and I think it, what uh, the first few days of trading it just highlights is this uh, talk of war that we're likely going to see uh, playing out in the coming months, potentially leaving crude oil fairly uh, range bound. But uh, uh, it is that by the talk of war, I mean basically the the weakness that we saw towards the end of last year before the uh, Red Sea uh, skirmishes uh, started to uh, have an impact where we basically saw demand not uh, living up to expectations, uh, prices uh, sold off. And um, this is really what, and, and against that, we have the we have the production cuts from OPEC Plus, which continues to uh, uh, add some support to the market. We had a relatively small trading range last year, and I think that's down to, uh, that's down to the support from OPEC, the basically keeping the market uh, fairly, fairly range-bound uh, or locked in a, in a relatively tight range following uh, the big moves we saw the previous year. But um, for now, yes, the market do worry about the uh, geopolitical flare-up. Uh, so far, it's not really impacting uh, the, the flow as such. Uh, there will be some longer journey times, uh, for, but we also have to remember that most of the crude that actually goes through the uh, this uh, this. Uh, uh, the Red Sea, the Strait, there is, is basically either coming south from Russia or going north from South uh, Saudi Arabia, and uh, and and I'm pretty sure that the Houthis will not attack ships uh, flag with Saudi and and Russian flags. So um so it's not really having a great deal of of uh, impact. But what the market do worry about is if the if the is Iran Iran's involvement and if that starts to uh, become more more apparent and basically leading to a, a major disruption out of the Strait of Hormuz, uh, which is obviously the, the big passageway for for crude coming from some of the main producers in the Middle East. So uh, so for now, a talk of war, I'll say. Um, the upside is, I think, is limited. 82 is still the key level to the upside in Brent, and so far we haven't been close. All right, and we, I mean, there's, we also have the discussions about China, which, uh, which had so many false starts in 2023, and this year maybe things can improve. Um, maybe you can touch a little bit on on oil demand, but then also. Uh, on the supply side, you have OPEC Plus, and uh, just before we uh, we closed the trading books last year, and there was a little bit of a hiccup. Seems like there was increasingly disagreement inside the OPEC Plus. So maybe touch a little bit on the all demand situation, China, and then uh, basically what is the status on uh, on unity or lack of in OPEC Plus. Yeah, well, last year we had a, a global demand growth of more than two percent. We came out of the. Uh, it was basically an impact. Uh, it was impacted by the by the, uh, the the back end of the pandemic, which basically meant uh, something like jet fuel demand uh, rose quite strongly. Transportation was also fa- fairly firm, 
And looking at uh, looking at China, the demand was was fairly robust last year, but quite a bit of that went into storage, and some of that went uh, into re-export by refineries. And I think what will be very interesting to uh, to watch this year is whether we are going to see a peak in uh, in Chinese fuel demand. So that's uh, that's what their own uh, their own biggest their own national uh, oil companies is uh, has been forecasting. And uh, if, if that's if that's the case, that uh, that will obviously send the signal. That the the green transformation uh, and combined with the with the uh, weak economic uh, growth is having an impact on on demand and that will will leave less room for OPEC plus to add barrels back into the market uh, because demand uh, production growth remains firm elsewhere and uh, probably that some of that is courtesy of of the production. Uh, cuts we had from OPEC, which has basically kept uh, prices high and uh, opened up the door for other producers to increase production. We've seen that in the US, we in Canada, in Venezuela, in, in Guyana, uh, Brazil, and so on. And that basically means this year, the expected production uh, demand growth or demand growth this year is expected more or less be, to be uh, be covered by, by non-OPEC producers, basically leaving OPEC in a bit of a precarious spot, uh, meaning that they have to keep a lid on production for for an extended period of time. And I think that's really is the 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 main downside risk in, in crude oil. Uh, you mentioned uh, the the end of last year where we saw Angola basically deciding to leave, uh, leave the group. They have not been happy for a long time, so uh, probably not a big impact, but it just does indicate that th- this group is increasingly being uh, run uh, by Saudi, Saudi Arabia. And as long as they keep, they keep their major uh, players and major producers on board, then, uh, then then I don't see any disruption to to that. But to, if they should fall apart uh, and, and everyone goes for goes for production uh, growth, then then clearly price would, uh, would 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 collapse. On the other hand, to the upside, the biggest risk there is is as I mentioned, a major political geopolitical event disrupting the flow of uh, crude oil and gas uh, from the Middle East. All right, um, great points. Let's switch gear a little bit here and move to gold because gold, given the market's pricing of the Fed and how many cuts the market expects for next year, next year obviously gold is in focus. And um, we um, so and we had the FMC minutes coming out uh, yesterday, last night, showing that the 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 Fed is preparing and discussing the timing of when to hold or stop the uh, the decline in the balance sheet and um Aurea now talks about what that means it could mean the weaker dollar um it's an important thing um but gold didn't react a lot um and then we have the whole discussion about inflation and the geopolitical risk how do you see the year shaping for gold and 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 what have you have you learned anything in the first couple of trading sessions here Normally, I would say I learned nothing from the first couple of weeks of trading in a, in a new year because quite often it's it's a, it's a, we see some counter reaction to uh, to the previous year, and uh, I think we're most uh, most seeing that playing out in your area, Peter, where the, the these phenomenal rallies we saw in, in equities last month was not really no one really wanted to go against that because everyone was uh, gearing up for basically booking some nice profits at the end of the year. But now that we we have a 360 odd days in front of us, then uh, that's just a rain check on some of these uh, these gains uh, same thing 
to a little slight extent goes for gold. We we hit a record high last month, uh, a record closing high, and since then we have been drifting lower. But generally, I think it's holding up still very well. And and uh, we, we gold is one of our, our preferred uh, investments in 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 the commodity space this year. Uh, some of the metals in general. We will be publishing our quarterly outlook early next week, and uh, and we will have a metal focus there. I can I can say already now. But um, looking at the uh, the the short term uh, near the short to medium term outlook, uh, no doubt, as you say, Peter, the market will be focusing intensely on the timing of the first rate cut and then the subsequent number of rate cuts. And that is uh, probably gold's biggest problem in the short term that uh, so much has been priced in already that data needs to incoming economic data needs to support that uh, that speed that the, the kind of speed that the rate cuts uh, of, of rate cuts that the market is, is pricing in. So that will create a bit of a bumpy road. But at the same time, we have the geopolitical risks also playing its part. I think we're seeing that quite clearly right now in uh, with the relationship between gold and silver. The silver's cheapness to gold has reached the highest level since last March. So the gold-silver ratio is trading above 89. That basically means that uh, the other metals are struggling at this point, whereas, where gold is holding up relatively well. So part of that, I think, is the geopolitical risk premium that's coming into the market. But uh, over the year... Uh, the one-year inflation swap is is already down to two percent. The five-year, five-year forward inflation expectation is trading at two point six percent. So the inflation, uh, just looking at inflation, there's really no no point uh, to to keep rates at these uh, high levels uh, because you can you can argue that infl- the battle against inflation has been won at least for now, um, and that should open up uh, the door. But um, but the timing of that will be quite a significant factor in the in the coming months. Great stuff, and um, I, I mean, from an asset allocation perspective, if you look at, you know, asset uh, asset class performance and, and asset allocation over a twenty five year period, I think there is no doubt by now that gold obviously plays a, a crucial role in an in in an asset allocation. Um, if you know returns have been great, but it's but definitely from uh, from you know either an inf- uh, inflation hedge or a geopolitical risk perspective, um, it's just a risk reduction. A vehicle to use in your portfolio. Um, last topic of uh, today's episode is um, wheat. And last year we had the Paris Paris milling wheat suffering its worst uh, worst year since two thousand and eight. It was down almost thirty percent, Ole. And we have this. Uh, we have we have war and and a lot of discussions about uh, wheat trade here in Europe and uh, in, in Ukraine with Ukraine etc um can you give us a little bit of color on uh, on on where we are in the in the grain sector uh, coming into this new year yeah, absolutely. Well, we're coming in with a lot of weakness. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, the the wheat contract is is particularly under pressure. Also, uh, something like corn trade in Chicago, it had its uh, had its worst uh, year last year since two thousand thirteen, down thirty percent. We had a solid production year across the northern hemisphere, and and if we combine that with some recent rainfall in Brazil, which has been sorely missing, uh, then the uh, the prospect for a, a decent soybean crop there as well has been uh, has been raised, and that's also driving soybean prices uh, at at this uh, down at this point in time. So basically. The uh, the grain sector as a whole is has been a decent contributor to the uh, the slowdown in inflation that we've seen. Well, some of the softs has been uh, going the opposite direction, but uh, I think we're more dependent on cocoa, no, on on wheat than we are on cocoa. So uh, so at least for now, that's that's uh, having a soothing impact on on price pressures around the world. But I think it's also worth that uh, just. Uh, 
keep in mind we are coming into a, a new year again a new crop year again uh, one the the weather once again will play its uh, significant parts uh, play a role but uh, with inventory levels relatively high then we the, we have a bit of a cushion coming into this year but prices are weak and the question is obviously how farmers will respond to these individual prices when they make the decisions for what's which crop they will plant in the coming months but I think it's also worth pointing out that uh, the speculators have responded to these, uh, these lower prices and uh, they now hold the biggest uh, net short uh, across uh, six grain and soybean futures since uh, June 2020. Not at least corn, where the short is uh, is, is at uh, 177,000 lots. And uh, if you actually look at the seasonality in, in corn, then uh, in the past five years, uh, corn has returned an average of 3.5% in January. It's been rising three out of uh, these five years, five Januarys. So uh, just keep that in mind. Uh, there is, uh, if, if, we, if history repeats itself, then there is uh, quite a bit of a short that uh, could get squeezed at, at some point. But, but generally... We are heading into a, a new year with with ample supplies, but again, it's it has been this northern versus southern hemisphere battle where weather has been playing weather has been supportive for crops in the northern and has been been dismal for on the southern, especially impacting some of the soft commodities, cocoa, coffee, and uh, sugar. All right before we uh, before we go, um, are you gen are you genuinely positive on commodities this year? I mean, I I saw I saw. Um, analysis somewhere on on generally on across a lot of different commodities and and most of them were in the uh in the quadrant uh you know below what they said fair value but also basically technically and technically in an oversold position that i mean that would you know the idea i got from that was that there is a an upside potential here for for commodities this year but um are you genuinely optimistic or is it only on on the metals i know you you wrote a lot about that in our quarterly outlook which will be out next week but um um yeah what's your view i think the well the my view is that uh, we 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 had a we had a down year last year, uh, but that f- came after two e- extremely aggressive uh, years where we had big uh, returns in in uh, in commodities in general. Uh, I think the last year last year's result around ninety uh, down nine uh, percent. If we exclude uh, natural gas, which almost tanked by seventy percent, then the return was uh, then you you would only have lost around one percent on holding a broad exposure in commodities. I think that uh, that uh, that performance will will improve this year. Um, I think the uh, if you look at China, that's obviously a, a concern. But at the same time, if we do see uh, when we start to see funding rates uh, come down in earnest, and we and we uh, hopefully avoid a recession in some of the major economies, then we will see industry start to restock some of their some of the supplies that they have been been unwinding uh, for the past year, which uh, which led to some of the weakness that we saw in prices uh, last year. At the same time, uh, we look at the energy market. I don't really think uh, we, as I said at the beginning, we're not we're not going anywhere uh, at any fast pace. But I. I I, if we do get a return to a backwardation, backwardated structure in the market, then you don't really need much in terms of of uh, spot price movements in order to make a return on a, on an investment in in the energy space. So uh, so generally, remain uh, positive for for the year. Um, 
some of that being driven by uh, the rates coming down, but also some of that being driven by tight supply in in some of the the key commodities. Uh, we can we can look at that in a later podcast. But uh, I think we all we all aware about the latest developments in some of the industrial metals, especially copper, and and that will will keep the market uh, keep the market supported. So um, a generally a positive outlook for the year. Um, can it compete with the with the stock market? Well, that's uh, that's uh, that's your part of the part of the world, Peter. But uh, if 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 the stocks can put in a peak repeat reform performance, then then uh, clearly not. But again, as a diversifier in a in a market of uh, of scarcity of of, of supply and of, of certain commodities, then I think it it still makes sense to have a have a, have an exposure to commodities uh, from a broad perspective. All right, I think that's a wrap, and uh, let's agree that uh, if. Uh... If if uh, if equities uh, if equities do better than uh, commodities uh, this year, uh, then um, then I'll give a then I will give a dinner and a beer uh, later this uh, later this year. But um, we can Fantastic. we we can take we can take that. But uh, yeah, otherwise we are back uh, on the Saxon Market Call with uh, with commodities. That was great, Ola. So uh, watch the crude oil market and uh, especially gold. Given now that the the um, the sound bites that came out of the uh, the FMC minutes there uh, last night, and then of course the the grain sector as well. I think the commodity sector is shaping up to be very interesting this year once again. So, but um, in, thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week. Thanks.